Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, Bethesda Church. How are you guys? Y'all happy? Yes, y'all got more sleep than everybody else. That's why y'all are my favorite service. I like, I can relate to you all. It's like, let's lay here as long as possible because the rest of the week's going to be hard. So it's nice to have you this morning. I hope you got to rest this morning, unless you have kids like me and you didn't, and I apologize because you've already been up for hours and hours and you're exhausted and need a nap and you won't get it. So um, I hope I don't put you to sleep, but if you need a nap, it's okay to take it now. I won't tell anybody. I can't even see most of you because of these lights. So welcome to Bethesda, and we're so glad you're here. And obviously, I'm not Pastor Chad. He is in New Martinsville this weekend um, speaking at um, one of his friend's uh, churches there. Uh, uh, he's, he has watched online, though, and sent me texts, so I know that he's keeping track of me. I don't think he's watching right now, but if you are, hello, Pastor Chad. We love you, and uh, we hope your service is going great there. If you're viewing in online, welcome. Um, I promise Pastor Chad will be back next week. You won't have to hear me two weeks in a row. Uh, y'all are thinking, now Jeremy's left, Chad's left, we're stuck with her, right? And, <laughs> kind of how it went. I'm sorry. No, I, I, we're super excited. This has been on the, the, the calendar for a while for me to speak, and um, I love to talk. I just don't necessarily like to talk from up here on the stage because I get nervous. It's a lot of you all, and I can't see real good with the lights, so um, I hope that I communicate everything really well to you, and it's an honor to be up on the stage and, and to talk with you. We're starting a new series this morning, and it is entitled Running with the Giants, and as you watch that little um, uh, bumper video, you probably noticed they were doodling out, and if you haven't guessed yet, the giant we're talking about today is Queen Esther from the Bible, and um, I, you may not know the story of Esther. It's okay. I'll tell you about it in a minute. We're going to talk about it, but this series in general is is kind of what it would be like if some of the great Old Testament, um, I don't want to say characters, people, um, would step down off of the stands, do a lap with us around the track, and tell us some things that maybe they encountered, something that they learned, um, the wisdom that they have maybe imparting into that uh, that into us for our culture in this season, and that is who they are. And so that's what that's what this series is, and we're hoping to to learn some things by by looking at the past and um, how they navigated what they were doing, and how we can navigate our worlds. And honestly, it's not that much different. Um, I think we can learn a lot from them, and so we're going to dig into their story some. Our series scripture comes from Hebrews. It's chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Um, so that is going to be... Over the next couple of weeks, the, the, the scripture that we kind of come back to again and again. But today we're going to be talking about Esther. Now, how many of you all have ever read the book of Esther? It's okay. Don't lie in church. If you don't know it, you don't know it. It's no big deal. It's all right. There's people I don't know about in the Bible, and I've read the whole thing a couple times. And I still, I, they, I missed them. They must have not been that important to me. Or maybe they were just boring. Anyway. <laughs> Some stories are boring. I know. I'm the pastor's wife. I'll tell you, it's not that bad of a story. But this one, 
is a kind of a neat story. I like this one, and I like, I was telling the, the, the previous crowds, I like my Bible to have a little drama. You know, like the begats get a little boring for me. Like I fall asleep, I'm not that into those. Um, and then some things are like, you know, they measure stuff, and I don't have that type of brain in my head. I don't know cubits from inches and centimeters. So, But I like this story. I like a little drama in it. There's some characters in it. Um, the key characters are Queen Esther. She doesn't start out as the queen, though. There's king. Okay, and this is another thing I need to warn you now. I'm going to butcher some of these names. If you need professional Bible name interpretation, you came to the wrong place because I'm not going to be able to do it. So even if I said it the way that they wanted to with this accent, it wouldn't sound good. So I'm just going to do it my way. And if it's different and you know that, please don't send me an email because I'm okay with being all wrong at it, okay? This is not something I need to conquer this week. So we're just going to read it. Um, Queen Esther, King Xerxes even though there's no Z. It's all X's. I'm just guessing. So that's him. He's the king. There's Mordecai. That's Esther's uncle. There's Vashti. And again, don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's the wife that gets the boot in the story. And there's Haman, and that's King Xerxes' right-hand man. And I like to think of him as the villain. Y'all like a good story, right? All right, let's, get, let's dig in. Let's see what it says about that. Um, Esther 2, verses 5 through 7, Now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex in Susa. His name was Mordecai, the heir of Jer, the son of Shimea, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. His ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles and carried off with King Jehoiachin, I have no idea, of Judah. That's exactly how you say it. Don't doubt me. By King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther, since she had no father or mother. The girl had a good figure and a beautiful face. Just kind of makes me mad. It's not that she's pretty that makes me mad. It's the fact that that's what they told about her in the story. I'm like, you know, maybe lead with something else about her brain or something, you know. But that's how the world hasn't changed that much. They still look at us kind of, you know, in that regard. It's the truth. Um, After her parents died, Mordecai adopted Esther. So Esther is her Persian name, and Hadassah was her Jewish name. Um, Her whole story is about overcoming obstacles. So you've got this girl who has been put into exile. She's lost her parents, so she's an orphan. She's not living in a land that's her own. She's she's, got another name now. I mean, that's that's a big change, a lot of change for a girl. And um, she was from the tribe of Benjamin, but because she grew up in exile, you know, she was in Persia. And Everything is just a muck in her life. It's just all been changed. And her uncle is the one that's raising her, and that's Mordecai. And um, you'll see Mordecai throughout the story, and he really speaks to her and is a good voice. Uh, we all need a good Mordecai in our lives, someone who can speak into our lives and, and, and tell us when we need to do something when we're afraid. Um, and that's what I love about him. But have you ever been in one of those seasons, a place where you're just out of your element. You're just, you're, you're out of place. I mean, sometimes we go through that like in adolescence where we go through middle school and you might not look like everybody else or you may not be in the in crowd. You may not dress like everybody else. Maybe it's when you go off to college and all your friends are in different cities now and you feel like the odd man out or you're at work and you just don't really fit in. We've all been in places and seasons like that where we just felt out of place and that's how Esther's feeling and I've had one of those seasons this year um, early in the year. We, I had to make this my second trip to Sierra Leone to pick up Eden and um, 
If you don't know where Eden's from, she's from a country called Sierra Leone, and it's on the west coast of Africa. And if you are great at geography and you knew that already, great. If you didn't, you are in the world that I was in before I learned of Sierra Leone and where it was at on the west coast of Africa, because to me, it's just all Africa. And that's bad. I should have paid more attention in geography and determined it all, but that's where she was, and so that's where I had to go. Um, Y'all think that's cute, don't it? Yeah, I know. Wait, wait, it gets better. It gets better. For those of you that... uh, aren't familiar with that country it is on the coastline so it is um, you know there's, there's beaches and it should be a beautiful location unfortunately because of the way that history has laid itself out it is not so beautiful um, at times I should say um, my hotel that I stayed at for those two weeks in January backed up right onto the ocean but the beaches are filled with trash and they just don't clean up after it and um, this country went through a really bad civil war back around 2000 and about the time you know they're getting about a decade you know of rebuilding and stuff it takes a lot longer to rebuild in other countries we, we have a lot of privilege here that we don't know that we, we take for granted but they were trying to you know rebuild and everything like that and that kind of like passes through and then they get Ebola yeah that's where God asked me to adopt from Ebola land y'all should be glad if you don't get that assignment okay it scared me to death I remember being at the gym working out and thinking when they first brought the first case of Ebola to America being like why are they bringing that here why are we you know they're gonna all get infected people died in like masses there's mass graves you know it's it was a horrible horrible plight between that and two other countries that were were near Sierra Leone and so this is the place that I had to go to and so that there's there's the potential for so much beauty, but it's just not necessarily that that way. At least it wasn't that way in my eyes. I think part of that was because I was out of place. I, I definitely felt out of place in that country. Um, I was the minority, if you can imagine. Most people do not have this skin color in West Africa. Yes, I put on self-tanner. I tried to blend myself in a little better, but this blonde-headed white girl stuck out. If you can imagine, I stuck out. And uh, I... I don't know how I would have fit, fit more fit in because even if I hadn't darkened myself more and, and, and I, this accent would have gave, given me away. I really think it would have. Um, so my skin doesn't match them. My accent doesn't match them. If you're in the streets of Sierra Leone, they're openly, like it's, it's about half Christian, half Muslim. So they're openly, like there's times of day when they're just like wailing to Allah. Like it's, it's not like when you go downtown Lewisburg and the church bells chime. It's a very different feeling. It's like, ooh, I just feel out of place. I just feel weird we take for granted the culture that we live in and the freedom to be Christians in this world even though we feel like they come against us I I want you to know that they're it's it's not this free everywhere and so um it was just kind of a surreal experience and I've traveled a little bit but never to that degree you know I I prefer the Caribbean you know (laughs) blue waters and you know the buffet on the boat you know that's kind of like I, I when I travel that's what I mean like I'm not you know I'm not a backpacking missionary kind of girl I whew, bless you if you are you know I, I love that about you this is just that Jesus called me for different things and so um to be in this foreign country for two weeks alone, a country where there could be an uprising at any moment, you know, it's not peaceful like here. It could change over. They, a regime can come in, kill out the president, and, and, you know, you may never leave the country. It was a very scary experience. Um, and I may have fooled some people before I went. I was like, oh, it's going to be great. You know, I'm pumping myself up, you know, give myself the, the – but honestly, I was, I was very afraid to go into a country like that without my husband and by myself. And um, as the years went on between the start and the end of that process – I became more fearful because I guess you, you know, you get smarter or maybe the devil just has more time to speak into your ear because in the beginning I was like, whoa, I get to go to Africa. I'm going to get my orphan. 
and bring her home. And, you know, like you just have a different mentality. But then by the time it comes around and it's time to actually do it, I had to miss the first trip because Chad, uh, I was pregnant. They wouldn't let me travel. Um, If you're catching up later, if you're new and you don't know the whole story. Um, But they wouldn't let me go into the country. So Chad had to, to, to handle all that. And so by the time I got to the end of it, you know, you're exhausted from the experience and you're financially exhausted and just the whole thing was just very, you know, um, hard. Um, but that's how it is sometimes when you're trying to fulfill a purpose for God. And, um, when I sat in that cab, um, that day I had, uh, that I was telling you about when you're near the city center and I'm hearing these people wailing before I got into that car, I had, uh, taken picture of the license plate. And this is what I did to kind of like calm myself. Like, I'm getting in a stranger's vehicle in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea what he's saying, and the hotel's just given me to him, and he's going to take me to this location of wherever it is I'm supposed to be. And you have to have so much faith in nothing. And so I, you know, you have to have faith. Obviously, you have faith in the Lord, Karen. Yes. Now, you go climb in the stranger's cab in the side of West Africa and see how much faith you have because I was pulling up everything I had to try to not freak out. So I took pictures of the license plates, which is kind of funny. So I'd send them to Chad. So, like, you know, if the guy offs me, I, he can search me out and find me. <laughs> And bury my body. That's what I was thinking. You know, that's a real like, and I'm doing it in tears. Like I'm like I'm yeah I, I'm getting in another car. If you need this is the last one. You know, like I'm giving him the license plate. There's no infrastructure on the west coast of Africa to search out this database of license plates. So he would have never found me. They would have never found me. It's it's it was almost crazy that I was thinking this was bringing me peace. But you do crazy things sometimes when you feel out of place. And so I was telling the first two crowds. Um, Sometimes when you're fulfilling God's purpose, you feel like you are in a world all by yourself. And you don't have to be in another country, uh, in another continent, to feel alone or to feel like you're all by yourself. You can do that in a home with your family. You can just feel like this, I'm out of place. I'm not, I wasn't designed to be in a home where everyone's shooting up. I'm not designed to be in a home where everybody's hitting each other. You don't know sometimes, but you have to decide upon yourself that you don't always fit in and there's a reason why you might not fit in God has a purpose for you and you may not you're not supposed to be comfortable in that house of everybody shooting up you're not supposed to be comfortable in a house that has to live paycheck to paycheck and and watch that stress God has more for you so I say that to encourage you sometimes being out of place can happen in our own home but sometimes it's so that God can reveal a purpose for us uh his purpose for us and uh, I messed up the gun but I'm gonna tell y'all a story y'all want to hear a story Y'all do, don't you? Nod at me. It's okay. Y'all in like a brunch coma? Like nobody's moving. It's okay. I'm good at talking, so I'll just keep going. Um, the, the day or two before we were supposed to bring Eden home, I'm waiting on the, uh, the embassy to call with her, uh, her visa. Um, you know, we're basically just holed up in the hotel because it's very, you know, it's not like I can just go. Like, it's not like Disneyland. It's not like you can just, you're on vacation. It's not like I can just go to the beach, even though it's right there. I might die. You know, they may take me. Obviously, I'm taking pictures of license plates. I'm scared. And so um, we're, we're, we wake up, I think it was a Wednesday morning, and Eden is like limp. Like, she doesn't move. She's, like, lethargic, won't talk to me. And I'm like, oh, goodness. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared because over there you get malaria a lot. 
and malaria can kill you if you don't treat it right. And I knew that if I came on a plane and brought her to Greenbrier Valley Medical Center, because there's different strains of malaria, eventually we'd probably figure out what it was. But I'm also coming from Ebola land. So I know that they're going to, like, balloon me off with a big old – I would have done the same thing. i bubble wrap us and stick us in a corner. And so I, was, I knew everybody was going to freak out if I even got on the plane with this kid who's limp because the, the, the customs people would have probably had a problem in, in the security. So I decide I'm going to take her to the clinic. Well, the next time you're complaining at the doctor's office, I want you to imagine what it looks like in a clinic on the west coast of Africa where there's nothing. It's bad. It is. It's really bad. It's sad. And so we're on route to the clinic. And we're in a cab. Obviously met this guy moments before. Well, probably not moments. It takes forever to get anywhere. So maybe 15, 20 minutes before. So we're going around this roundabout. This guy was the one that the hotel called and told me to get in his car. So, you know, you have to trust something. I guess that's okay. Um, and so I get in the car. We're driving. Eden's about laid out over beside him. She's sick as a dog. And so... We're going around this curve, and so this policeman, and he was had an AK-47. Pawan corrected me. I keep saying 57, but y'all really expect me to know guns? I mean, let's just be honest. That's, that's not my forte. I mean, it's not that I mind that you have them, or I'm not in that debate, but I didn't know the difference between AK-47 and 57. There's a big machine gun across this officer's body, and he is in military gear, and he's screaming, nah! only in their language. That's not their language. I don't speak that language. To the guy driving my car, and my driver is screaming back at him, and I'm like, probably not a good idea to scream at a cop. You know, I don't do that in my country, but, you know, maybe. And so they're back and forth, back and forth, and he's trying to tell him. Finally, I through the motions, I get that we're supposed to pull over. I'm like, yeah, pull over. Does I, I'm, 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 I'm getting a little scared. So he pulls over, and so then they're, like, outside of the car screaming at each other. And from what I gather, my driver had no driver's license. So, <laughs> yay! Thank you, hotel. I don't know what your name was, but New Brooksfield, I think that's where I was at. I'm just kidding. If you're watching, the New Brooksfield was great to me. Their owner was great to me. But anyway, they called this driver that had no license. And so they're, like, debating, I guess, whether or not he's going to take him to jail or kill him right there in the court. I don't know, in the yard. I don't, I don't know. I can see the clinic. I'm that close to it. So I'm like, I'm just going to go, like, peace out, dude. I, you know, so I'm, like, trying to, like, throw money at him. And he's trying to get me to defend him to the cop that I'm, like, that he's taking me somewhere. I'm like, I can't defend that you don't have a license. You know, that's not my, yeah, we're going to the clinic. She's sick, like, ah, you know, like laying in my arms. And so, obviously, you know, I'm going to the clinic. You know, here's the money. Like, have you ever thrown money at a problem? Like, let's just, let's throw money at it. Maybe that'll make it go away. That's what I was trying to do, and he's not taking the money. And I'm like, I don't want to die, and I have a baby. I'm like, oh. Yeah, so that's, and that, in that moment, I was like, me and Jesus were having some conversations that you probably have never had with Jesus, but I needed him to have my back a little more than that, so we were having that moment, and I think he just lets me have those moments. Everybody else is probably much better behaved around Jesus, but I like to tell him when I'm upset, so that's what we were doing. And so finally, I get money close enough to him that I can kind of tuck tail and run. There's this whole line of women laying, like leaning against the wall watching this conversation going on, and I'm like, the clinic that way or that way, which door and there's they kind of just look at me and I'm the white girl I'm you know blonde headed and I got the sick baby and the officer screaming at me and there's guns and they just kind of point and I'm like thank you solidarity thank you for showing me the clinic that's a whole other experience when I got inside there so I won't talk about that but in that moment I felt so out of place I felt completely out of my element and I'm a control freak I like order I like to control things anybody else like that raise your hand if you like a little control this was an environment that I had no control whatsoever in. I was about to break because I was like, you know, Jesus, I've gone as far as I can go for you. 
but I don't know if you've ever been there. I was there in that moment. I just wanted to get on a plane and come home. But I was at a place, the message that God has a place for you is one that many need to hear because maybe you don't know that he has a place for you. Maybe you've lived so long in that chaos that it just seems normal. Maybe you, that's how you think God has designed your life to, to be and how he thinks that you're supposed to live. That is not the best life for you. And I, I want to encourage you. You need a place to belong. The people of this the region need a place to belong. And that's why we have Bethesda, uh, a place that you can belong, a place that you can find your purpose. Uh, we would not dedicate 12 years of our lives to a city that we really weren't attached to before we moved here if we didn't believe that wholeheartedly. We believe that you specifically have a purpose that's attached to the kingdom. And so I want you to know that, and I want you to be encouraged today that you matter. And you may have had everyone tell you that you didn't. History may have told you that you didn't. The circumstances may have told you that you don't. But you do matter, and you have a purpose in your life. Um, you're not an accident. I just feel like I need to say that to someone else today. I've said it in all the services. I want to say it again. You're not an accident. Just like Esther, God has a place for you. Psalms 33 and 11, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Our generation, as mad as this culture looks sometimes when you watch the news, has not been forgotten or abandoned by God. We're supposed to be in this season. You are supposed to be in this season. Sometimes I think I might have done better in other culture or other generations, you know. I like a whole lot of like Otis Redding and things like that. Like I like that kind of music. And so Chad gets in my car and he's like, what in the world are you listening to? And I'm like, I know I'm from a different time. But then I probably wouldn't have been the greatest of that time's wife either. And I definitely probably wouldn't have been the greatest of wives in the time of Esther because let me tell you about this story and then you'll understand why I probably wouldn't have fit in. Um, finding your place requires many things, but we're going to talk about four today. Finding your place requires great faith and trust. As we start into the story, Esther 2 and 17, it says, now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti, or however you say her name. So as we can read this story, it sounds well and good as you start right there. And then it gets to the end and it says, and made her queen instead of Vashti. And so the beauty contest that Esther won a place at the kingdom from, which is what basically happened, only happened because his wife got the boot. You know, like she got kicked out. And you want to know why she got kicked out for? Yes, you do. Of course you do. Here's where some of the drama is. He had been in there with all of his male friends and, you know, being all kingly and everything. He sounds like a real winner. I just want you to know that. Um, he's God's man. I know, you know, it's, it's between him and Jesus. But anyway, he had basically told her to come in and show them that she was pretty. And I don't know if it was because the rules in that time frame or if she had been a bad husband the day before or maybe just in general. She's like, nope, not doing it. And I told the last crowd, and I bet you all are cooler than them. You know, have you all seen those videos going around on Facebook, the I'm not doing it or whatever? She stretches her face out real wide and her teeth. Have you know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Nobody said, you know, okay, it's the I'm not doing the CrossFit. I'm not doing the chain mail. They have a bunch of them. So don't, if you don't know them, you can go watch them. Now you'll be very well cultured in social media. So anyway, I've got those sent to me like three or four times this week, and they are funny. But anyway, she was not doing it. She was like, I'm not coming. So he was like, fine, you're not my wife anymore. I'm going to find me a new one. And so, of course, because, you know, he is such a cultured man, he decided to go after the most intelligent, creative, funny woman. Nope, he won the prettiest. That's not too far away from our culture now, still, I don't think. But anyway, they, y'all can laugh. I'm, at least pretend I'm funny. Um, 
So they, they, they did this like beauty contest, and that's how Esther got her place in the kingdom. Psalms 31, 13 through 15 says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. And certainly her time was in his hand. She was in there for that season. She had been in exile. She was a Jew who won a beauty contest, and then she became the king or the queen. And she wasn't even she wasn't even allowed to tell. Mordecai said, "Don't even tell him you're a Jew." So she's hiding her identity even to get to the place that she's at. But God has placed her there. Um, so to get to a place, sometimes it takes faith and trust. To find your place often takes courage. Esther four and thirteen through fourteen says, "Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you are you alone of all the Jews will escape." And you're like, "Well, what's that part of the story? I don't understand what's happening." Let me tell you what's happening. So we've got Esther in the palace, and the king's there with her, and then his right hand man that I told you about—that's the villain—is Haman, and Haman decided. He's going to make everybody bow down to him. He's not the king, but he decided he was going to make this rule that he was going to make everybody bow down to him. Well, Mordecai's like, not doing it. You know, he's in the same video as that other lady. Like, they're not doing it. So he's like, no, not going to. And he's, you know, king of the Jews. You know, they, you know. so Haman's trying to figure out how am I going to get, get rid of this guy? You ever had somebody at work that got on your nerves? Have you ever sought a plan out to kill him? Oh, I hope not. I hope the answer is no. But that's what Haman decided to do. That's why he's the villain. He's the bad guy. So he decides he's going to off, you know, Mordecai and all the Jews in order to get what he wants. And he doesn't realize that by doing this, nor does the king realize that his wife is a Jew and that by killing all this and making this decree, he's going to kill her. So Mordecai learns of the, the story, what's supposed to happen. So he goes to Esther to try to get her to stand up for the Jews. And so he says, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. If you don't know anything else about Esther, if you don't even know the Bible, you never opened one up, you probably heard that line. How many have heard for such a time as this? And we quote it all the time as Americans. We just say it, you know, like, you know, whatever sounds good, you know, in that season. It's such a time as this. And sometimes we say it to empower ourselves or get ourselves motivated to do something. And I do feel like it works in a lot of situations. But that's a very famous line. And Mordecai is just is, is speaking honestly to her as an uncle, but he is basically saying, God placed you here for a reason in this time, in this season. And if you don't step up, you're just going to perish. You know, and uh, he will probably raise someone else up to deliver us, but you will, pro you and your family's name will basically perish. And it's about not walking into your purpose. It's about someone being in your corner, cheering you on to walk through your purpose. And sometimes we don't have anybody in our corner telling us to go and do what we're called to do. I would dare to say the majority of the people sitting in this room have something that God has told you to do that you're not walking out right now. Now, it may be because of finances. It may be because you're scared. It may be because God hasn't lined it up yet. Or maybe because you're just ignoring him and you don't want to go because you're afraid. And that's why finding your place and your purpose requires great courage. That's why you have to sometimes step out into the unknown. I'll be honest with you. I was scared to death over there. And it wasn't because anybody was particularly mean to me. It was just because I was out of my element. I was out of my, my norm, what was comfortable for me. And sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone in order to accomplish what he's asked us to do. Um, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather what you do in spite of the fear. 
Sometimes we have to be brave. Uh, finding your place requires great focus on God. That's the third thing that, I, that, we, that it requires. Esther 4, 15 and 16 says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. Now, they're fasting. Now, I can... Yeah, I could probably scan the crowd and find a few of you that are just not real happy about this plan, you know, because fasting is not all of our favorite things to do. Now, we do a corporate fast here in January every year. So if you're new to Bethesda or started after January, you may not know that. And um, we do that in order to try to hear more clearly from God. There's different ways of fasting. And so we, we'll give you information on that if you're ever interested in it. But what I wanted you to take away from that is, now you know someone is getting serious about a problem when they start fasting because fasting Fasting is hard. It's not. It's saying no to your flesh, and we don't like to say no to our flesh. Most of us never want to. I don't want to. He tells me to fast on, you know, January just like you guys, and I'm like, oh, really? Like the vegetable thing's going to help me? You know, you know, I don't. You know, I think I'd rather just eat meat. And uh, but unfortunately, you know, we we do the Daniel fast or whatever we decide upon, and we do it. And I always draw closer to God. The voice of God always gets stronger in my life, and I always regret being so long in between one fast to another because I know there's power in it. I know what happens from it. So she's told him, me and my maidservants, we're going to fast. You go back with the Jews. You all fast. And um, I want to tell you, this is just some free advice. When you or someone in your life needs great faith, when a situation just won't shift, when you're not seeing any movement, um, I want to tell you something. You should start a fast. And if you have you know, medical reasons, please don't do something crazy. I don't mean like that. But there's something that happens when you do that. They won't, uh, no one will love you for telling them to fast. And I'm telling you, it, but it's the difference between people who talk about doing great things for God and people who actually do great things for God, there's, there, there's a line in the sand between those two people. And the difference is often because of the faithfulness and the, and the sacrifice that happens in fasting. So I say that not because I love it, not because I think, you know, and it's not a magic fix. You don't fast and then magically get your answer. You know, you don't fast and, you know, but things shift when you focus in and say, God, I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want to see anything else. I want to hear your word. I want to hear your voice. Your voice in my life is more powerful than any food I could eat, than any chocolate chip cookie or any cheeseburger ad that comes on and distracts me from it. I want your voice in my life to be stronger than anything else. And so there's power in it. So um, sometimes you have to stop looking at yourself and say all your insecurities and all your reasons why it won't work and look to him. And by fasting, that's what we're saying. We're saying in my own strength, I can't do this, but in him, I can. When I delve my life and I, I, I dive in so that he can speak to me and I make him the priority, we hear from him. So great focus on God sometimes requires doing things that we're not necessarily in love with, like fasting. Proverbs 25 and 2 says, it is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. And in this it kind of is just, it speaks to one of the problems I have in my life. I like to know what's going to happen next. It's that order, that control thing that I, I struggle with. We all have uh, weaknesses, and I like to know what's going to happen. I was telling them earlier, I really enjoy, like, knowing the order, like, having, like, 
I worked in the OR for a long time, and I like the OR. And you're thinking, I might not like the OR. Or maybe you do like the OR. Maybe you work in the OR. But we start out the OR in order. Like, we, it starts, it's amazing. Let me tell you a little bit about it. So we start the day by wiping everything down, and it's all clean because you're going to come in there and have your guts cut open, so we want to make sure you're not going to get sick. Yeah, okay, now you're listening. See, I heard, now you're here. I hear you. Um, and so... You start the day out, you wipe everything down, you get everything perfect, you're measuring out drugs, you're opening up sterile fields. I love it. You open it up, it's, it's like fresh, it's perfect, there's no germs, microorganisms, it's perfect. And I love that. I love that order, that cleanliness. It's just, ah, oh, there's so same amount of drugs for the same doctor almost every time. And it's just like, I love structure and order. So when I get a commandment or a, a, you know, a word from God, a, a, you know, he's, I'm being spiritual with the wordage, but when he tells me to do something, I wish he would just do it in order. Like, this is what you're going to do first, and then two months later you're going to do this, and then I'm going to provide the financial miracle on this day, and you just don't stress out over it because it's going to happen on this day and be completed on this day. Do any of you all live a life that would enjoy that? Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one. You may not want to play with guts and, you know, the OR, but you like that order. Okay, I like that. Um, I don't play with guts. I was just joking. Um, if we immediately have all the info, we never learn to trust God. Our purpose comes from Him. And so when that, that, in that, that verse in Proverbs that says God's, it's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them, that sometimes it is a privilege to discover God's purpose for you, that you take the time to find something that has been concealed. He left us an entire manual in the Bible with instructions and more than we could ever ask for. And we have to not be lazy. We have to open that book up. We have to study. We have to take the time every day to seek that out. And there's a reward for that. There's, it's a privilege to discover the perfect, the perfect will of God for your life. It's a privilege to discover God's purpose for your life. And when he begins to speak that to us, sometimes, because we know it's not going to be the most convenient thing we're going to do all week, we will push that voice to the back of our head. We'll say, I'm just too busy, God, not today, or I'm going to get to that. And somehow days go by, weeks go by that add up to years, and sometimes we know we were supposed to author that book, or we were supposed to start that business, or we were supposed to, to go and pray for that person, and the time has passed, and we still haven't done it. There's a purpose in your life, and sometimes it requires us to take a step forward in order for him to begin to move. He conceals things. As we seek it out, he reveals them to us. We can discover them. It's a privilege to discover them. The fourth thing about finding your place, it requires great initiative. Esther 4 and 16, it reads, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So as we were talking about that earlier with Mordecai telling Esther that she needed to go to the king, she needed to kind of fight on behalf of the Jews, part of the story that you might not know if you're not familiar with this story is that you can't just go into the king's court. You know, I told you, he's not that great of a guy. I wouldn't have married him. But, you know, that's just how it is. So you go and you, you have to be summoned before you can speak to him. Like, that's how it worked in those times. And so I don't think I would have been a very good wife. I probably would have been more like Vashti and been like, nope, not doing it. Like, you didn't come to dinner last night. I'm not coming over there and parading for you with my, you know, beauty or whatever he wanted her to do that day. Uh, but Esther, she needed to go before the king, but she didn't have the right to do that based upon the laws of the kingdom. And so she knew she was breaking a law, and that law could have required, it could have cost her her life. And here she is living in this plush lifestyle of, you know, I finally moved on up like the 
Jefferson's, you know, I was living over there in exile. Now I'm in the king's palace and you're asking me to go and maybe be killed. And so I can understand why she was struggling with that situation, but it says that she, you know, uh, she, she decided that she was going to go. She says, I will go to the king even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Eventually, only you can take the steps to fulfill your purpose. And I encourage you today to take that leap. Esther got to a place where she set aside worry and was willing to die to fulfill her purpose. And Today, you need to ask yourself, what are you willing to set aside to fulfill your purpose? Maybe you need to set aside the opinions of your family. Maybe you need to set aside your own pride. Maybe you need to set aside uh, the time in the day and, and put work ethic towards it. I'm not sure, but she had to set aside her fear in, to, in order to go into those courtrooms. And sometimes to fulfill our purpose, you have to step outside of your box. I would have, no, I shouldn't say this. It would have been easier for me to be able to adopt from a country where it was just very streamlined. And if you adopt from China and some of these places, not saying adoption is ever easy, it's not. Um, there's a waiting period and there's time frames and there's lots of things that you have to check off your box. But it's very orderly. China would have been much closer to what Karen would have liked in a timeline from God. I would have liked, do, do, do. At least you know it's 24 months or 18 months, whatever it is, from the very beginning. It's like boom, boom, boom. But that's not what he gave me. He gave me unknown. He gave me they won't even come into the office today to look at the paperwork on the other side of the country. How are you going to argue with somebody 7,000 miles away in a different time zone, in different, you know, language? You can't. You just have to trust God. And that was very difficult for me in that season. And there's been other seasons when it's been difficult for me to trust God and to walk out that purpose. He said, do this. And I'm thinking, I'd rather do this. And he says, but do this. And I'm like, I don't know if I, I, I think I'll just do this. But you're never fulfilled until you walk that out. And I know that there are people in this room today that he's told you to do something and you've put it off. And I'm encouraging you today. He sent me today to say this. Don't put it off any longer. Stop ignoring his voice. There's a reason and a purpose behind what you're supposed to be doing. And your purpose is often tied to someone else's purpose because God links us all together. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't send someone else to, to help their link, but you're a piece of the puzzle. Put your piece in. Get engaged. If you're a, you're, you're a kingdom, you need to do it. I know it's not easy. It's not fun always to do it, but you have to sometimes step out, walk out, and, and, and he's got you. He does. He, he really he will show you as you take that step that he's there and that he has your back. Um, she got to a place where she set aside worry, and she was willing to die to fulfill her purpose. She realized that's what God had her. That's why she was in the kingdom to begin with. Um, it's empowering sometimes to be here on a Sunday and, you know, Pastor Sam and the worship team will be uh, singing and setting an atmosphere and our fantastic production team back there is moving lights and smoke and uh, words and it just, it's a great atmosphere that is created and the Holy Spirit comes in and sometimes we'll have like, you know, you're singing oceans, you know, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. You know what I mean? Like we say that on Sunday. Like we were like, oh, we want purpose, God. We want you to declare over us a great call, a great commission, make my life matter. Let me be obedient. And like we're all in. Like we're right here like, oh, yes, I would sing to you, but I can't. I'm bad, very bad. And so, but we do that on Sunday. And then sometimes by Monday after, before even lunch, we're like, we're mad at our coworkers. We're mad at our boss. We got road rage going to work. And that would probably be me. If you've ever passed me, that's probably me. Um, I struggle. It's a, it's a weakness I'm working on. Um, I wish everyone could drive as well as me, but they can't. So God is <laughs> teaching me to have grace, maybe. I don't know. But it's funny how from one day to the next, we can be so 
so different. We can walk in two totally different lights. And so I encourage you, don't make it about just an emotion that you feel when you're, when you're worshiping. Carry that word that you have that you get, you may have that stirred up oftentimes when we're worshiping and when we're in the middle of, of a service, an atmosphere like this, and carry that into your prayer life. Carry it into your, your time of worship at home and be intentional about saying, God, I need to know the next step. I don't want to be disobedient. I know you have a purpose for me. I know you have a plan for me. I know that my life, is it matters. I know that it's part of your kingdom. He did not make any accidents. You're not here just to go through the daily grind of getting up, taking care of kids, going to that workplace, checking in, checking out, cash that check, live payday to payday. That is not what he designed you for. If someone told you that or you got that false impression, please shake it off. Throw that back to hell where it came from. That's not your purpose. And we are so easily dis, just distracted by Satan sometimes. And, and we wonder why we can't make any improvements sometimes from generation to generation. Who's watching us? Those littles are sitting there watching, and they're determining what their purpose is based upon whether you're fulfilling yours or not. And if you can't walk in your purpose, they're not ever going to walk in theirs. And Satan loves that. He wants you to stay down. He wants you to stay defeated, to think you don't matter, that you're an accident, that your life is useless, that you are just, you know, here for no reason. And, and, and that's, how, that's why our, 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 our complete community uh, in our country sometimes is so distracted and there's so much just, ah, I hate it. It's just we get so focused on things that do not matter. And he, he, it's the easiest thing for him to do to switch us around. So I encourage you that when you're in a service or when he's speaking to you in your car or on your workplace, he finds unique places to speak to everyone, I think. I know he does for me. I'm sure it's the same for you. When he's speaking to you, don't just push him inside and say, but i got to take this call right now. But i got to take this text right now. And I'm not saying don't be a weirdo at work where you just stop everything. i got to go pray. You know, like, I mean, you can pray on your lunch hour. You can fast the, you can fast the burger and go to the, you know, pray in your lunch hour. But I'm saying you have to be intentional enough to stop just pushing that voice down. It's the only voice that matters. It's the only one that's going to give you any peace. It's the only one that's going to speak into your life. And your story matters. I don't care what happened yesterday or 10 years ago or what the chapters before in your life story said. You may have messed up a lot. That's okay. I've messed up a lot. You know, it may not look like it up here, but I've had failures. You know, I, I, I've been disobedient to God before. I've been in rebellion and, and, and thought, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that or I'm not doing it now. You know, I'll do it when I feel like it. And oftentimes, by doing that, we're preventing thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We want our world to shift. We want, this, we want the news stories to look differently, but none of us want to change what we're doing. And sometimes we have to because we need to stop having the same dialogue fed to us every single day of destruction and sadness and, you know, depression and, and fear and everything that comes down the pike. And if we walk in our purpose, I know that God can make a difference not only in us, but in our families, in our communities, in our region and in this country and in the whole world. Um, I know 
that I didn't just come here today to say this for no reason. I've been on the calendar to speak for a long time. I don't know if I told you all that. It's about the third time I forget to, to what I've said and what I haven't. But last night, you know, Chad's already in New Martinsville to, to speak. Um, about 10-something, my phone rings, and I didn't answer it because I'm one of those people that if I don't know your number, I'll answer the call. So you know that about me now. It's a, not a secret. So I'm like, I'll let that go to voicemail. It's probably about a New York trip or something like that. So it went to, you know, it, it, nothing happened. I didn't get a voicemail or anything. I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's the wrong number. Like two minutes later, it rings again. I'm like, still not answering it. Isn't that awesome? I'm a great person, aren't I? See, every time you think I'm so good and holy, I don't answer my phone, you know. Um, so it goes to voicemail. It's so like, oh, now I'll listen. Wonder who it was. Now I'm nosy. So I like listened to it, and poor Jason DeHaven was over here and was waxing our floors. Something happened, and a pipe got busted in there. And if you don't know that about our building, our water pressure in here is very high. One other time we hit something, and the whole, fellow, well, the whole kids' area um, was flooded within moments. Within, I mean, I'm not like, like two minutes. The whole thing is flooded. So I can tell by Jason's voice that he is very, very like nervous about what's happening. So I'm having Chad try to call him and give him the, the instructions on how to shut off the water valve and stuff because I don't know those sort of things. Uh, I do now. I asked and I'm going to remember so that I can help next time. Um, but in doing that, Satan wanted this service, these services, not to happen today. And that's not because I'm special or because I'm up here, because y'all know that our pastor is a much better, more eloquent communicator than I'll ever be and could have done more justice to this sermon than I ever could have. But he didn't want this word to go to you. And there's a reason for that, because as long as you're not walking in your purpose, we, we don't have as much power as we're supposed to have. And I want you to know that... You have power inside of you. The Holy Spirit is working, and as we are obedient in, in walking those, those things out, the power increases. And when you combine the power of four or five people, it changes, it shifts, there, it, it gets stronger and stronger. And if we can get all of us working together as, in our own perfect will of God purpose, we're never going to be perfect people, but we can be in the perfect will of God. We can know that I'm walking towards the purpose that he has for me in this season. You're going to have more than one purpose in your life. You're not designed just for one thing, but usually there's one thing that Satan specifically targets that he does not want you to get freedom in. He doesn't want you to walk out because there's power in that, and he doesn't want you to have that power, and he doesn't want the people around you to be changed because of what you're going to do. So I say that to you. Don't be afraid to walk it out. I don't know what it is, but I know he didn't want you to hear this message today and I know that he tried to stop it even from going forth and I know that there's a reason for that and the reason is because he wants to stunt the the kingdom from coming into this earth and so I hope you'll take this home today and that you'll be challenged and motivated to at least go back to the table with God maybe you're mad at him maybe the reason you're not fulfilling your purpose is because he let you down or you perceive that he let you down and that's okay if you're one of these people who've never been angry at God and you think that's weird, then we probably couldn't be friends because I've been in seasons before where I was angry at God. I remember when I got Elijah's diagnosis and I was thinking, who would leave me like this if he loved me? Who would do this to me? You know, I remember being in that, that moment being broken. And it's funny how Satan can confuse you and distract you by things. And just because you're angry at one point doesn't mean you can't get over it. 
It doesn't mean that you can't move forward. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you and that he doesn't want a relationship with you. So I hope that you understand that we're all going through something. And there's always a reason. Most people just don't decide, I'm just not going to live in the perfect will of God for my life. I'm not fulfilling his purpose for me. No, the distractions and the reasons that we don't fulfill that are often based upon something that's significant. But I'm asking you to go back to the table with him. Say, speak it to me again. Explain it to me again so that I can know which direction you want me to go. And I I say that because I know that there's power coming from you through him. And so I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't even know what you're called to do. None of us are called to the same thing. Uh, and none of us are valuable because we fulfill one role or another. I'm not more valuable because I'm standing on this stage than anyone sitting back there serving coffee. Pastor Chad's not more valuable than someone in the nursery. We're all valuable. We're all fulfilling a purpose. But if you have never walked in that, you don't understand how powerful it feels to know you're in the will of God to know that you're really doing what he asks you to do. And there's a peace. Everything else may not be going perfect all the way around you, but there's a peace when you're walking in the perfect will of God. And if you haven't had peace in a while, it's probably because you're just not walking in what he's purposed you to do. We have a growth track that we do twice a month next door, and they do a a, a gift study, and it talks about how you find your purpose and and how your DNA is created and what you're interested in. And and God didn't design you a certain way and then say, okay, I want you to go over here and, and do this. It's completely contrary to that. You know, I would be really, really up the creek if God told me tomorrow that he wanted me to open up a heavy machinery company and uh, run bulldozers because that would be outside of my element and skills, you know, that I currently possess. Not, not, Not good at that. The reason that we have the likes and the preferences that we have, the reason we're structured the way we are, even our little quirks, like the fact that I'm just completely like a control free and like freak and like order, is because that's how he purposed me. When you're going to run certain parts of an organization, you need to have that type of discipline in your, you know, your charting and everything like that. And that's how, that's why he made me that way. Some people probably wish they could change that about me. I sometimes wish I could change that about me. But it's part of the purpose that he had for my life. And part of the things that are in your life, it's, it, you're set up for that reason. And so that skills test, that, that gifts test, it kind of walks you through that. If you've never done it, I just encourage you to do it. It's not because you necessarily have to serve on our dream team, you know, or anything like that. But for your own personal well-being, I think you need to know what your purpose is. You can seek that out in a, in a lot of different ways, but take the time to seek it out. It's important. It's valuable. What you do matters. Your purpose matters. You're valuable to the kingdom. You're valuable to this community, and and I want you to know that you have a place here. You're not an accident. We don't have so many people serving that you can't be used here. Don't use that as a crutch. You think, oh, gosh, there's, you know, hundreds of people on that dream team. They don't need me. 110 people got saved in the last four weeks. They have kids that need loved on. They want to drink coffee on Sunday morning. We got more that we want to reach. There is a place for you to serve here. There's a place for you to find the perfect will of God and purpose in your life here and and, and walk that out. We'd love to have you on our team. We'd love to let you find your purpose and and serve in that capacity. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. As we close out the story of Esther, you guys can stand, stretch your legs for a minute. Um, as we close out the story, we do learn that Esther does go before the king. And if you read on, you find out that they 
he does he decides not to kill all the Jews obviously he she she lives and they decide that you know they're actually going to kill Haman the way that he wanted to kill Mordecai and whatever he set up to hang him or whatever they use that to to kill him so the villain gets he goes down uh, sometimes you can put the villain or Satan down by walking in your purpose you can, you can shut the enemy down in your family. You can shut the enemy down in your workplace. You can shut the enemy down in your community by fulfilling your purpose and walking that out. So don't think that you can't. This, this is an amazing story of someone who, who rises from nothing, who, who was kind of in a place where it didn't look like she was going to have, she, like, like she was an accident. You know, who wants to start their life looking at, like they, you know, didn't have parents, living in a land that was not their own. I often look at that story and I think a little bit about Eden. You know, a lot in her life changed, you know. But you, gotta, I, you, you can't convince me there's not purpose in her life. You can't convince me that she doesn't have a destiny. And that's how the story of Esther went. And so I want you to go home. I want you to read that. I want you to think about your destiny. I want you to think about your purpose. With every eye closed and every head bowed, as we shut this service down and close uh, towards the end of it, there are people that were listening today and you're thinking, I want to know the purpose for my life. I want God to speak to me, but I'm not even in a relationship with God. How can he speak his purpose into my life? And how can he talk to me about what he wants me to do if I don't even have a relationship with him? And so I want to offer today for you to come into that relationship with him. At Bethesda, we don't set anything up to embarrass anyone. We all had to come to a place where we decided we wanted that relationship with Jesus. And so I'm going to ask you to do something very brave, very bold today. If you want a relationship with Jesus, and maybe you had one and you've walked away from it, you desire that back in your life, or maybe you've never had one. Maybe you never really understood the purpose behind it. If that's you today and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, if you want to reignite a relationship with Jesus, if you'll just throw your hand up, we're going to pray with you in a moment. This is a place that loves you, that, um, that wants you to find that in your life. I see that hand. Thank you. There is no thing, no action that has separated you from his love. I want you to know that today. I know that some people walked in here today and they feel like their whole world is a mess and they can't do anything for God. He should choose someone else. And I can't tell you how many times that it would have made more sense for God to choose someone other than me, someone other than Chad, a more qualified person to do anything. But you know what? He used us. And when you step out and you take that bold step, he'll use you too. If you want that relationship today, just throw your hand up. Let me see. Let me see that hand. I know that he's dealing with hearts today. All right, guys, we're going to pray with someone today. And I'm so excited because you know what? Their life is going to change. They're going to wake up tomorrow in a different world. They're going to leave this place in a different world. So we don't do things in... That's right. We don't do things alone around here. We like to work together. We like to do things together. And we don't want anyone to ever feel alone. So we're going to say this together. If you'll repeat after me, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today as a sinner. We've committed sins and we need a Savior. We ask you, God, to come into my heart, to, to, to cleanse me, to forgive me of my sins 
to be the Lord and Savior in my life. We love you, Jesus, and we ask you to give us purpose and direction. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's give a shout. Woo! We celebrate today. We celebrate with you. Let's go a little bit louder. If that was your son or daughter, if that was your mom or dad, pray in that prayer. We're never so far that he can't reach us. We're never so far that he can't reach us. He speaks to us. He loves us that much that he'd leave the 99 and he'd come speak to us and, and call us back to him time and time again. I want to close out our prayer time as the, as the prayer team and our staff come forward. I know there are people here today that, that need to pray about the purpose in their life. Maybe you've been pushing something back. Maybe you don't know what your purpose is and you're just like, I feel like now I'm supposed to have a purpose and I want God to tell me what mine is. And so if that is you today, as they start worshiping, find your way to someone that we are better together. When we have people praying over us, there is direction, there is a peace in that. We are not meant to live this life alone. And God sent you here today because he loves you enough to let you be in a place where people are going to encourage you and encourage the purpose that's in your life and the will that he has for your life. So as we, as we sing and worship and close out, please feel free to come to the altars. If you got saved today and you want to come up for prayer, come on in and join. No one's going to know the difference of who's who. I think we get so caught up in stuff sometimes, but if you need prayer, come get prayed for. Don't ever let anyone in this room make you feel like you can't get prayed for. Never. Never come into a crowd and feel like that you're not, that it's going to be, you're an outcast. Or you, every one of us needs prayer at some point. Every one of us needs encouragement at some point. And, and if you say otherwise, it's a lie. So I'm so thankful for you today. I hope this message spoke to you. I hope it gave you purpose and encouragement. I hope it causes you to stir up something that you may not have even wanted stirred up in your life. You may have been like, Karen, I wanted to leave this alone. Why did you got to bring it back up? And I hope today that it stirs it up because something good's on the other side of you being obedient to the will that he has for your life. You all have a great Sunday. It was a pleasure being with you this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.